Hey, welcome back to the As a Jargon podcast. Today, I talked to Micah Hayworth. Micah is currently working on a few hotel syndications. That's the term. The simplest way I could try to put it is he gathers investors and then buys up hotels and then sends them checks that they like to see. And he does all the work. His story is really cool. He got dropped from his job back in 2020 and then got into real estate, bought a single family home, and worked his way into buying an apartment building, and then now is working on hotels. I really needed this podcast because I'm going to have to get into real estate here soon. More of a side thing, but uh, it was good to get my terms all up to snuff. Before we get going, I'd just like to plug my newsletter. I talk about what I'm up to each week, uh, what content I've been posting, and kind of what my insights are and what I've been working on and what you can apply in your life as well. If that's something that would interest you, go to isaacjarian.com slash newsletter and sign up. Let's get into it. Hey, Micah, how we doing? Good, Isaac. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, you were just a uh, big trip today, huh? Yeah, we, I went up to the hotel. Uh, we had our holiday party. Gotcha. And there you go. Yeah, just tell me about your whole process. You, you obviously, you know maintain ownership kind of of that hotel but not really but kind of yeah so uh so I, I do maintain ownership of it so the term is syndicate right so essentially what i do is i start a company and i sell um shares of it to passive investors so that way people can have passive ownership of real estate property without having to do any of the work gotcha syndicate and obviously i've known you since you know i was definitely a little kid and that was this is very far away from what you were doing back then. So just tell me about your whole process. I've never really, I've never really heard it full on. Yeah. So uh, about the syndicate or how I got into syndicating. Yeah. How you got into syndicating? Well, it started in 2020 when I lost my job. So essentially, uh, you knew me when I was into film production. Yes. So I went from, ended up going from film into live event lighting. So I did a lot of film lighting, and then I went into live event lighting for like concerts and stuff like that. Obviously, that didn't do too good during COVID. Yeah. And so <laughs> and so I ended up losing my job uh, when a company that I was working with at the time downsized. Um, and so that kind of threw me for a loop of like wanting to diversify my income stream so I'm not having all my income coming from one source. And that got me into investing, into real estate. And so near the end of 2020, I bought myself a house. Uh, and then we, over the course of like a year and a half, I flipped the house. And then I sold it, bought another house, um, renovated that one. I ended up refinancing out of that one. And at that point in time, I'd really gotten into multifamily investing or wanting to do multifamily investing. And so I used part of that, um, part of the refinance to put a down payment on a apartment building. Uh, which, funny enough, is actually the, the one down the street from the high school that we both went to. Really? So that's the one you own? I'm like, I, I saw... I like I said, I saw you, I see you every once in a while on Facebook and recently followed you, and I'm like, that looks familiar. Like, it looks dead alike of the one we went to. So like, the one. <laughs> okay, so that's one. awesome. So I ended up yeah. buying that one, which is yeah. kind of crazy. That my first multifamily property is in the town that I grew up in. Right. That's what happened. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so that whole, the, that was like the first step in that whole multifamily journey, and I was essentially getting I, after that, I was able to syndicate. So essentially, I ran out of money. Don't have any more money left. But right. you know, I have all the tribe. I've been, I, I at that point, had underwritten over 146 different properties. So I'm getting really, really good at looking at the numbers of multifamily properties. So it's like, okay, at this point in time, what do I do? Do I just completely stop, or do I find other people who 
also want to invest in real estate and they have money, but they don't have time. Right. And so that's where the marriage comes. Um, what I always tell people is that there are all three components to any real estate deal. There's the money, the deal, and the hustle. So all you need to do is find which one of those three you can bring to the table to be a part of a real estate transaction. And so for me, I have the hustle and I find the deals. And so I find people to bring in the money. Gotcha. Um, talk to me about, you said you've written up or reviewed 146 deals. What, what, mm-hmm. what causes that? Why do you need to do so much research into those kind of multifamily units and what caused you to rep it out that much? Yeah, uh, it took me about a year to do that many. Uh, okay. Because when I first started, it was like uh, I was doing a part-time. And then in October of 2022, I had quit my job and did it full-time so that by March, I closed on that first 12-unit. Okay. Um, the 12-unit in our hometown. Yeah. In Panora. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was talking to, to my brother Aaron about, you know, you know, Mike would be a good person to talk to because he's kind of bought every everything you'd want in real estate, you know, a single family, a multifamily, and then, you know, getting into hotels too. So talk to me about like what you like, what you dislike and why. Yeah. Um, so I like the larger stuff and because honestly it's easier. And so it's like right now, obviously I don't like the hard part about it is that it's expensive. And so what the way I approach it is I partner up. And so it's like when you buy a real estate's a great investment overall, you know, you got the four wealth generators, real estate, so in my mind, that's appreciation. So the property going up in value, depreciation, that means all your tax write-offs. There's loan pay down because your tenant's paying your loan down. So you're getting closer and closer to owning the property outright. Um, and then you have cash flow, which that's typically the one thing most people think about when they think about real estate, but that's only one of the four. Right. Um, so you have that with pretty much any real estate asset you buy. You have it with single family, you have it with apartments, you have it with hotels. Um, the advantage you have when you go to hotels is that you have more security because if one random tenant decides to peace out and leave in a 12 unit, you still have 11 other tenants versus in a single family house, one tenant could just make your, your entire property 100% um, vacant. And now you have no, uh, you know, no income coming in and you have to fork it over yourself. So it essentially gives enough buffer. So things can still go wrong and you can still cash flow. Um, mm-hmm. The term uh, is commonly used. It's called economy of scale. So you have the economy of scale. So essentially everything is kind of cheaper. So imagine negotiating with a contractor when you have 12 units versus if you only have one. So you, you have some more uh, that kind of goes across the board where you have this bargaining power. Mm-hmm. Um, and additionally, like when you hire a management company, for example, so I don't live in Florida anymore. I live yeah. in Minneapolis. And right. so I'm about five hours away from that 12 unit. And so what we do is we hire a management company to manage it for us. And mm-hmm. for a management fee for a property of that size is 8% of gross revenue versus if I was just managing a single family house and I hired someone to manage it for me, it would be about 10%. So they give you a discount because they're getting more bang for their buck, essentially. Right. In every aspect. So you were talking about like, you know, if you needed new cabinets in each 12 year units, um, they're going to be like, oh, there's 12 units of this. Like, this is good money. We'll give you a discount kind of thing. And same thing with the management fee. You said how much? 25% on a single family or something? 10. So 10, 10%, 10%, 2%, but any, any percent's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 
Uh, oh, yeah. So I, I definitely like the 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 economy of scale, and then there's also one huge difference in the evaluation of between houses and commercial real estate, which is defined as five units or more. And that's that commercial real estate is evaluated based upon how much money it makes. So that means if I, I don't have to renovate it, if I simply operate it better so it profits more, then it's worth more money. Mm -hmm. So as that. And so there's a multiplier, it's, it's called a cap rate. And the best way to des uh, describe a cap rate is it's the going rate of an income stream. Mm -hmm. It's a multiple applied to the um, the net operating income, right? And so if I'm if I make the property worth more by simply uh, if I if I raise rents or if I save on expenses or whatever it is, so that I'm netting more profit, the the property is worth more money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, remind me of the three steps to to a real estate transaction or what it takes to uh, run real estate. Yeah, so the the three steps to any real estate deal, the three parts yeah. to any real estate deal is the deal, the money, and the hustle. So okay. the deal is you have to find the property. You need a property right. to buy. You know, and so yeah. some people will just provide the deal by they'll wholesale. You know, they'll go cold calling, find a uh, find a property that it, they can find they can get under contract at a discount, and they'll sell the contract to somebody else. So that's someone who's just dealing with the deal itself. Right. Right. Then you have uh, people who oh, will bring the money in. So people who are willing to offer on the money. Part of the money is also the net worth. So you know when you buy a rental property or when you buy a commercial real estate, you need to have the net worth equivalent of the purchase price of the property. Mm -hmm. So you know I don't have a huge net worth right now. It's, it's definitely going up, but it's not millions. And so if I buy a property that's worth millions, I need to find somebody who's willing to help sign on the loan. The term is a right. key principle. So someone who has a balance sheet and all they do is they sign on the loan, they trust you to run the property on their behalf, um, and then you can buy uh, a property that you know you don't have the net worth for because they're willing to help you take the risk. Yeah. Um, and then there's the work because it is a crap ton of work. <laughs> yeah. So kidding. the deal that I make with my investors is that I will do all the work. All you will get is a check in the mail and monthly updates. Um, okay. And I will hand it, handle everything else. Okay, and that's what I'm willing to do. So you were able to manage all three with the single home or the single unit family homes, right? And then also, you know, you were able to dabble into that uh, multifamily. Um, but once you got there, you're like, okay, shoot, I don't have management over through these three steps anymore. So you moved into syndication. Yep. So syndication okay. is... So the the only difference between a syndication and like a normal LLC partnership is that syndication, I'm simply letting the government know that I have passive owners. Okay. And so essentially you have to register with the Securities and Exchange Commission of the the government, which is the, the part of the government that oversees the stock market. Mm -hmm. So think of it like I register myself with the people who oversee the stock market that I'm selling passive shares. Mm -hmm. Now the huge benefit that my investors get, so essentially they just own passive shares of an LLC, is that they get to have all those wealth generators of real estate without having to do any of the work. Mm -hmm. Whereas tra traditionally, if you just have a normal LLC, you have to have all the members who own it need to be active in the business. They're not allowed to be passive. Okay. So yeah, the first time... Yeah, the first time I heard that term was actually through you. So thank you for uh, throwing me yeah. knowledge at me. So it, it's it's 
a rare type of it's not a business formation it, or is it is it so you kind of relate it to an llc a little bit but it's it's way different obviously all it is it's an llc that you register with the, the securities and exchange commission so just an extra step just an extra step it costs extra money because you have to hire a, a, a securities attorney so it costs like an extra 10 grand Mm -hmm. But then if you do so, then you're, you're a syndicate. Now, there are certain rules you have to follow, like only certain types of people. Uh, there, there's restrictions on, on the type of people who are allowed to be a part of it. So there's essentially two um, types of syndications. So there's a 506B syndication and a 506C syndication, which is like, okay, now we're getting all this complex crap where the government's trying to tell us what to do with our own money. This is stupid. But it's like essentially the best way to think about it is B for buddy. So 506B is that you can have friends and family, people who are not accredited investors, invest in your deals as long as they are, the term is sophisticated or just know that they, they can tell whether or not it's going to be a, a good investment for them. So you can't go steal from grandma who doesn't know what's going on. You have to have, um, invest from somebody, have someone invest with you that knows, has their bearings about them. And then it has to be someone with a pre-existing relationship. Um, okay. But then there's the C syndication, which I think of C for accredited. Accredited investor is a, a identification um, that's a, a government uh, definition. Accredited investor means that they have a net worth of a million dollars or more, or they've made $250,000 a year for the past two years, and they expect to make that in the next year. So it's like, okay, this is a very very sophisticated person, a very, very uh, experienced person, person who has a lot of money coming to the door. It's like, okay, so if we're in the 506C, it's like if I have that syndication, that syndication allows me to publicly advertise. With the buddy syndication, I can't publicly advertise. Everyone who's a part of the deal, I have to have known them beforehand, and then I have to text them and be like, hey, you got this deal, you want to be a part of it? I can't post it on Facebook until after I've closed on the deal, which is what you've seen. Right. And, uh, so how do you, how do you get that C classification? Do you have to like prove yourself as a B or you just pay more? Um, how, how do, oh, oh, how do, how do I, uh, make a 506 C syndication? Yes. Um, it's just a, uh, uh, declaration on the, the syndication docs. So when you have oh, okay. it up for you, um, which is, that's all I do is I tell my lawyer, Hey, I'm going to do a syndication for this property. We're raising a million dollars and it's going to be worth this much and we're going to do a 506b that's what it, okay he puts it together for me like it's it's pretty simple um you know now obviously like buying the property and finding the property and managing the property there's a lot of complexities but you know mm -hmm. i don't consider myself an absolute genius i think mm -hmm. i've done a lot of hard work um but you know it, it's 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 the way i describe it is not complicated but it's hard yeah yeah <laughs> Well, you've put your reps in, you know. I mean, that's just what it takes with every single field. Um, reps. In. I want to. I want to know how how long have you had your eyes on real estate? You know, putting yourself even while you're in the film jobs or whatever. Maybe even in high school. Like, how long have you kind of had your eyes on? Like, I know I need to get into this. Yeah, I got. I've always had my eyes on real estate. So my my grandfather um, invested in a lot of real estate. Now, when I first approached him about learning about getting into real estate, I asked him a couple basic real estate questions. He told me, uh, he was like, why are you asking me these questions? Go read a book. They're, it's in a book. You know, that was his response, which honestly I'm, I'm grateful for it because it forced me to teach myself, educate myself, you know, be, be the one who's 
I'm teaching myself how to learn, you know, so that way there's nothing, even after my grandfather's gone, I'm still able to continue to learn in um, whatever avenue I go down. So essentially he invested in a lot of commercial real estate uh, and residential real estate. He did a really good job. And so I always saw that. And I also know my grandfather came from nothing. So my grandfather, um, he, he, he went into the military, he came out of the military and started working as a store clerk. And he ended up doing really well for himself, partially because of real estate and partially because of business. Um, and so that was something I always like, you know, stocks and stuff, this is kind of confusing, but you know, buying a house, fixing up the house and renting it out, this sounds like comp, this is not, you know, this is, this is something I can do. I, I can wrap my head around that. And so essentially when COVID hit, I was like, you know what? Like, the, the, like my, my job, you know, failed me essentially, you know, like I, I wasn't able to keep that up. And so it's like, okay, well, I need to find another way to make money and to be stable so that nothing can shake me. And that's when I thought back on real estate. I'm like, okay, I need to go try this again. So I started reading a bunch of books. I read like 50 books in the course of like a year and a half, all on real estate, business and stuff like that. I keep a lot of them right here. I only keep stuff on this bookshelf of the books I've read. Uh, and I read a lot of audiobooks too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude. So I essentially, in 2020, that's when I really started going ham on it. Um, I started educating myself. And then end of 2020 is when I bought the first house. And then I took me about a year and a half because I did all the work myself. And I sold it for a profit and paid off all my wife and I student loans in one go. Right. So that your first house is sold and yeah. paid. I mean, it paid everything off, like, you know, yeah. your debts. Wow. I profited a lot. It worked out really well, and I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure the year helped, too. You know, 2020. Oh, yeah, in 2020. I, I got stupid lucky, <laughs> yeah. man. I got, <laughs> and I, and I totally recognize that. But, I you know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, I did this. You know, I fixed up the house, and I just took all my evening. You know, I was working a full-time job. And sometimes, I, you know, I'd work 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week on the full-time job. And then I'd still have to go home and renovate the house and work on it here, paint it here, put some flooring down here, there, you know? So it's like, I had to, it took me a little bit and took me a year and a half to do that first deal. And then, you know, it, it, those, that was the first repetition of like, okay, this is something I could do. And then I took the next step, did the second house, was able to do it again. I didn't profit as much on the second house, can be completely honest. Um, but then I was able to get my money back and that's when I went multifamily. Okay. And, uh, did you and your wife live in a house before you bought that first house to flip? Oh yeah. Or you rented a house. Yeah. Oh, you rent, rent a house. So no ownership before that first sale. Correct. Okay. Um, and then, first house never bought. and then this is something I just haven't looked into. So it's, you know, I'm 20 years old or 21. Now I turned 21 yesterday. Look at that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have any sort of business formation when you were buying those first houses? That's something I've had questions about. So I I had an LLC, but I honestly didn't use it. So I bought both of those houses in my own name, my personal mm -hmm. name. And the, the good reason to do that is that you can buy a house with 5% down uh, using an FHA loan. Mm -hmm. that, that's a great advancement that we only have here in America. It's not common. And so I think you know Americans should definitely take advantage of it when they can. Is that you know if if it's your first house even I think there's there you can do like three point five percent or whatever but we did five percent down um, and then th that allows us to you know 
come into the deal with less money. But then if you do the work of renovating the house, you increase the value of it, you sell it, you're still netting out more in the end. So like it's a minimal investment or comparison. It's still, you know, a decent amount of money, but a minimal investment. And then you're still able to net a great return. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've been, you know, doing social media work for a few, uh, businesses and one of them's a realtor. And I'm like, you know, as I was younger, I'm like, why is first time home buyer come up so much? And I, I, I come to find out there's a lot of benefits to never yeah. having ownership before of a house. So I see why people don't do that under an LLC and it, it protects yeah. you. Like one thing is like, well, all right, an LLC, that's, that's your assets that can essentially be taken away from you if something goes astray. So uh, when you have those separated, if something goes wrong, it's it's kind of nice there too. But well, at this point in time, I own several LLCs. So yeah. each uh, each apartment building ha- has its own LLC, and then the mm-hmm. hotel has its own LLC. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I I, I theoretically own three companies now, um, and then I have an so I have an LLC that represents myself. Call it Hayworth LLC. Uh, and that owns it's my ownership in the other three buildings. So each each building has an LLC. So Panora Apartment LLC, and then um, Hayworth LLC owns it. Mm-hmm. So you know my name's still you know in the paperwork there, but you know the ownership of the property is now in that entity. So if something were to happen and it, 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 it to explode, it limits the liability. Right. Which is why right. it's called a limited liability company. Yes, yes. Um, one of the one of the things I notice is structuring your businesses is truly an art that I I just love yeah. the I love watching people go through their pyramids of how their businesses are structured. Um, how did how did you kind of come about all that? Was that reading books or is that just a really good relationship with a really good lawyer? Lawyers, man. Yeah, lawyers and CPAs are your best friends when you're getting into more business, more real estate, because they they give you a lot of great advice on letting you know on what you can and can't do. And they, they even give you good strategic advice. I have a great relationship with my lawyer. Um, and, you know, we're friends now, you know, where we call each other and give each other shit. Um, yeah. And he will give me advice on, like, um, how to structure the business or, or different things that I'm not currently not taking advantage of that I could. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's up to me to kind of, uh, you know, take, take it where I can and, you know, and uh, help that inform my strategy moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously CPAs, you can kind of, you know, get on a retainer each month to help you kind of structure out your stuff. How does a lawyer work? Is that, is that similar? I haven't had quite enough capital to be like, I want to actively work with a lawyer, but like, how does that process work? How does that relationship build work? Yeah. So I don't have either of them on the retainer. It, it's, uh, when I need consulting, I will call them and I'll, I'll say, tell them to start the clock and they'll, uh, essentially time it and they'll build me for the time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, dang, man. Uh, so you no longer own any of your single families. You still own the uh, multifamily. Well, I, I live in, I live in that second one. So the second, you one, live in the second one. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm sitting in right now. So it, right. instead of selling it, I just refinanced. I got a second mortgage. Um, and that allowed me to pull the equity out of the house without selling the house. And then I used that to buy an apartment building. Right. Dang. No. And then syndication why why did you take that jump so i read a book it's called uh financial freedom with real estate by michael blog um and that book is all about syndications and really talking about a set like th- think of it like you know whenever you get really mad about these big funds like blackrock or whatever 
I think I see syndications as the antithesis to that. It's using a similar legal structure, but what it is is that we're we're managing um, investments on people's behalf. So now instead of you know a bunch of rich people owning an apartment building, it is a bunch of investors pooling their money together, a bunch of normal people, like people uh, that are investing in my deals. Some of them are real estate investors, and some of them are normal people. You know, they're they all have normal jobs. They don't they're not multi multi millionaires. They were just able to you know save up some money. And even we're even investing um, with people's IRAs as well. IRAs and 401ks, you can get self-directed account and direct it into investing into our real estate deals. And then you own a real estate asset. Hmm. And and you say you, you, you're you responsible for kind of notifying them what's happening each month. What does that look like? Is okay. it like a, a newsletter or is it like more official than that? Or how does that work? Yeah, it's like an email, essentially. That's the best way to say it. And a newsletter is a great, great format to say essentially it's it's you know several hundred words long you know i include pictures uh and then in qu- quarterly increments i'll include financials so we're actually right just about to send out the 2023 q4 fi- financials to all of our investors it's mm. one of the things we're working on right now and i noticed you're very active on you know posting clips on different social medias um are other people kind of in your similar stage? Do a lot of people do that where, where you're at? Or is that kind of a, an approach you're just like, hey, I kind of have the basic skills on like posting and, you know, making stuff look good. Like I just do it. Yeah. I Part of it comes from my background. You know, I used to do film and live events. I have some colored lights and whatnot. You know, it's like I, I know the basics of film production, you know, so th- that was definitely a strong point that I noticed I have. And I'm like, I'm uniquely situated to take advantage of this without having to hire a whole team. People are like, well, I just don't understand how to edit videos and stuff. I'm like, I've been editing videos since I was 13 years old. I know how to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another part of it, so to answer your question, I, some other people in my niche do do that for sure. Um, but I would say not all of them do it on the platforms that I do it on, especially when it comes to specifically syndication. A lot of them are a lot more professionals uh, or like financial professionals in one way or another. And so they mainly hit up LinkedIn, which I also do. All the content you see on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, I also post on LinkedIn. I'll use different captions and stuff to try to have it more, you know, professional or LinkedIn-esque. You know, th- that way it just fits the platform better. Um, but yeah, I hit up I hit up uh, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, um, X, and Facebook. Okay. And Facebook's genius because I feel like that's where you can get into kind of the more people that aren't looking for those deals. Like some people are looking for them and some people are just kind of stumble upon it. Like you're talking about your more average daily human. Yeah. No, well, you know, like the, the, the demographics of Facebook tend a lot older than the other platforms. Now, LinkedIn and Facebook are both kind of in that same ballpark where it's older people as well. And, you know, the longer you're alive, the more time you have to collect money. Right. And then on top of that, Facebook is a platform I've been on since I was a kid. And so I have a larger network on Facebook and I have people who have known me for longer on Facebook. And so is it easier for me to raise money from someone I just met or someone I've known for a decade? Uh, known for a decade. Very much easier. And so that's I you, you'll see that I've just recently kind of started posting again on Facebook. Uh, whereas if you look at, on my other uh, social media platforms, I've been posting on there for much longer um, about this specific content. Um, and that's because I kind of recently kind of came to that, re- realize it, well, I recently came to that 
uh, realization that, you know, these are people that I've known for longer. I can probably work on those relationships more and to see, like, you know, essentially it's like, I, I put the content out there. So people who are interested can just put their hand up, you know, yeah. I, I don't need to go banging on your door. I don't need to go PMing everybody. I put out my content. People see it. If they're interested, they'll just reach out like you did, you know, yeah. just like, it works out. Yeah. Yeah. And has the kind of ratio between people that are looking for those investments and people that are regular, has that kind of surprised you on who's interested at all? Well, I've had people that I would have never reached out to reach out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, whatever. And I just would have never thought that they'd be interested and they just reach out. Like you're an example. Like I would have never thought to reach out to you talk about real estate or whatever, but it's yeah. one of those things where I put it out there and Whoever it is, it's an, it's like uh, you know the when you throw a rock into a pack of wolves, the one that yelps is the one who's been hit. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like throw the message out, and the person who's hit by it and is ready to move on it, they're the person who reaches out. And so I end up interacting with more of what I would call a warm lead. Mm -hmm. So someone who's seen my content for a while, and then they reach out like, hey, you know what, man, I, I'd love to chat. More than welcome. Let's let, let's talk. I have a Calendly link and I will schedule an appointment. I have a 30 minute Zoom call with anybody. Completely open. And I'll talk about real estate in general. Like, because I think real estate is an amazing asset class. Everybody needs to invest in real estate in, in varying degrees. There's a thousand different ways to do it. Like, you can buy farmland, you could buy a single family house, you can buy an Airbnb. There's a thousand different ways you can invest in, in real estate. So, find the one that fits the way that you want to live and go for it. It's a great way because we need to be more of a, of a, you know, country of owners, not a country of renters. Mm -hmm. You know, freaking a lot of these idiots in politics, a lot of these idiots are really pushing everyone to be a complete society of renters where we will own nothing and we will be happy. And I completely reject that. We yeah. need to be a society of owners. And that's yeah. how we increase wealth. Right. Right. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So, Something I know eventually I need to get into real estate, obviously, you know, building up my net worth a little bit before I look into that. I've always yeah. kind of thought like, I'm afraid to get into it. I mean, not afraid. I know I'm going to get into it, learn a lot of lessons right away and then regret how I started. Do you agree with that at all? Or do you think, you know, there's a pathway for everyone and it's going to be different for everyone? The first thing you need to do when you get into real estate is educate yourself. Right. Read every single book you can read, listen to every single podcast you can listen to. Because what education will do is it will give you options, which will lead to a direction. Mm -hmm. You can't just like go walk in and just go buy a random house. Because honestly, what if the foundation's all fucked up and you and it ends up costing you 30 grand just to keep it not falling into the ground? You know, like, mm -hmm. there, there are legitimate risks and you need to be aware of those risks. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing you can do is educate yourself as much as possible. But then at some point you need to stop and you need to take a step forward. 95% mm -hmm. uh, of millionaires made their first million dollars in real estate. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily going to be the get rich fast method, but it will be the get rich for sure method. Right. You make consistent effort over a period of time. It will result in positive success. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing for me is, you know, I've kind of gotten, gone off on a beaten path a little bit. So usually I've just been able to do, and then I learn, and then you kind of find out from there. 
but with real estate it's hard because you have to throw quite a bit of money at it so if you do and then learn it's like kind of like oh shoot like so yeah it is important to to read that now with that being said i'm not a reader i could do audiobooks what do you suggest what are your favorite books eh audiobooks 100 percent um yeah so you can do brandon turner has a book it's called uh rental property investing or the book on rental property investing that's a great one that gives you just a great insight into real estate. There's another one I would recommend for you. It's called Set for Life by Scott Trench. That one's, it's, I think of it like, have you read the Financial Freedom from uh, Financial, uh, Financial Peace University, um, Dave Ramsey's stuff? Uh, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I see a Set for Life as like the Dave Ramsey 2.0, where it really also takes into account, um, you know, the investing and not necessarily having to go 100% cash when you buy your first rental property. Um, th those are all things that I highly recommend. Um, and then I, you could read the book that I read. It's called uh, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing by Michael Block. That one talks about apartments and talks about specifically syndicating. Um, not that I recommend you jump right into syndicating. I think you should get your feet uh, wet and you know some of your own deals first before you get other people to give you your, give you their money. Seems legit. <laughs> yeah, I I would never even try to jump right into syndicating. Yeah. Sounds sounds like you want to know something first. <laughs> uh, there's also another great book you might be interested in. It's called um, The House Hacking Strategy. Uh, so it essentially talks about the idea of renting out part uh, rooms in the house that you live in. Or you could buy a duplex and rent out a unit while living in it. Mm -hmm. The nice thing with those strategies is that it, it gives you a very hands-on approach. And it kind of it makes it... A, harder to fail because part of it is that you know, you're paying your own mortgage but then you also get all these other people to help you pay your mortgage but then you're also like right there with them so like you know it, it, it's it's harder to miss things if people are like trying to screw you over or whatever when you're living next door right right so would you say kind of your books were your mentor a little bit you know getting into real estate because yeah, that's another thing I've looked into is like, you know, video, you can kind of find, you know, what I'm involved in is you can kind of find mentors. It's like, all you got to look for is cool projects and you can ask them a question. Cool, whatever. Yeah. But with real estate, it's like, you don't want to be listening to people that only have a property or two. Like you want to be listening to the people that have made it, you know, millionaires, tens of millions. Uh, so you used books to get people that have, you know, very nice portfolios to talk to you in a way, or at least they, yeah. you know, sold you a book. <laughs> I also, you know, I did end up paying. So Michael Blanc, he has a mentorship program. Okay. So I actually ended up paying a mentor to teach me. So that that year, at, when I uh, after I had bought that second uh, single family house, between uh, a year before that, I ended up closing on that first apartment building. I had actually bought a mentorship program, and uh, you, I met I met with a mentor who had 350 units. Um, every other week mm. and he taught me and I asked questions and he would answer the questions. I would show him deals that I was looking at and he would give me feedback. That was a very invaluable experience of it's not, not even not necessarily some of the knowledge because you can download the knowledge just, you know, by watching videos or whatever, but it was almost like the validation of having the, that confidence of like, you know what, this seems weird, but I also have no, nothing about this industry. So is it weird? And he would be like, no, actually, you're right. This is weird. It helps give me the validation, the confidence to act, you know, with convic conviction for, you know, and that, that was definitely helpful. And that's where I got my repetition in, where I underwrote 146 deals before I bought that first um, apartment building. 
Mm. And so that, and I, that those were all deals that I passed by my mentor and he gave me a lot of advice. So that was definitely very helpful. Yeah. So you did it in that, that one year and you had the mentor that whole year. Do you still have that mentor? Are you pretty confident in just where you're at? Uh, I don't have the mentor anymore um, that I pay, but I definitely still, I've developed relationships with other people in the Mm. industry that I call on. Yeah. I, I have a couple friends of mine who, one of them owns four or 500 units and I will text them sometimes. I like one like, sec here. <laughs> I've do that about once episode. I just slap that thing. <laughs> it just pops right out. Yeah. yeah. Those are the bows or what are they? These are Sony's. I, I splurged for no reason, but Hey, they're nice. They're cool. It's all whatever. It's all good. <laughs> I, got, man. Um, I, I've actually been considering uh, starting a podcast as well, which yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I've thought about different, um, you know, takes I could do on it, but essentially the, the easy, one of the, the key reasons is it gives people an opportunity to get to know me because yeah. I, I essentially can spend time with people, mm-hmm. um, at scale. Yeah. So and, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, like, cause I, I do all these, you see all the clips and stuff that I post, I go on, that's why I was like down you is that you you asked me hey you want to do a podcast i'm like down let's let's go i'm i knew i knew i knew you'd be down depending on what you post i'm like oh yeah of course this guy yeah, of course he's looking on podcast. <laughs> yeah you know and the, the big thing is is that i take this i have opus ai i clip it and it gives me uh, free content um that uh, takes minimal effort we sit down for an hour i'll uh, screw around an opus for a couple hours and then i'll export all the videos i put them in a drive and then once a day i'll just throw them on social media yeah and you know even if it gets zero views you know hit or miss or whatever but most of the time if you just talk to the podcast person you kind of form a relationship with them too in a way you know now i have your number you know kind of stuff like that and you'll find out with every single host you know yeah well then there's also the opportunity of that's why i'm talking about my own podcast where i have guests on so i can reach out to somebody um who i would never have a reason to reach out to that I now can because I, I want them to come on my podcast. They come on my podcast. We talk for an hour. We develop a relationship. And then maybe that spurs on the opportunity to work together. Yeah. It gives you a reason to reach out to them. I mean, podcasts are a little, they're a little saturated now. But still, if someone asks you to be on a podcast, it's still like a, like, oh, cool. Nice. You know? Yeah. I bet you still feel that just a little bit, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and honestly, I, I don't, uh, podcasts have become very saturated. But they they are still projected, uh, like all the, the online content and specifically podcasts are sp- are still projected to increase by over thirty percent, right? In the next several years, and so there's still room in that market for people to to come in. And what people are noticing is that podcasts have now gotten to the point where people have the ability to completely niche down into whatever they want. And so people can decide what specific, specific content in the specific tint, the specific format, the specific color that they like, and they can have something that, they, that is 100% them. Yeah. Um, and so there's still a lot of ways to go. You know, I, I have a couple ideas of ways that I could go about it and bring more of myself, you know, and essentially give people more of an opportunity to, to uh, get to know me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole content strategy goes is that, you know, right now, it, it the way I set up my funnel is that it starts with social media and me going to networking events, and then I will I'll post a bunch of that sort of stuff, and that will get people to know me. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, they can either join my newsletter. I have a 
a, a weekly newsletter that I send out, um, or they could follow me on social media and then they can get to know me over a long period of time. And then when I have deal, deal opportunities come out, I can send it out to my um, newsletter list of people mm-hmm. that I have met and verified. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the a whole podcast format, because right now the way people get to know me is on my newsletter. But if I have the clips and I have a podcast that people can then go listen to where they spend an hour with me, then they really get to know me. They get to know, you know, I'll make all that, you know, they get to know my hopes and aspirations. They'll get to know my opinion on a lot of stupid stuff, but essentially they'll just get to hang out with me and really get to know me and feel that they have a connection with me through there, which, yeah. you know, I put it out there because I want people to connect. Mm-hmm. It gives, yeah, just... only, yeah, it gives two options to get to know you too. I mean, if you're a reader, you're going to love that newsletter. You're not going to watch the podcast, vice versa, you know, or if you like both, yeah. they'll be double connected with you, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. it's great. And there's always a reason you should have a social funnel. I mean, I, I have a hard time finding a reason why you shouldn't have a little social funnel going, yeah. especially in this time, you know, uh, that's why I'm so heavy on it, you know, and I'm not even yeah. niece down too much, which makes it hard to grow. But when you do, you get yeah. those really, really nice connections. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. And I'm glad you're using it for your business type. I mean, it's, it's working. It looks good. Yeah. Try my best, man. Yeah. Making, I'm making slow progress. You know, I'm continuing to refine things over time. And so I, I'm very excited with what I've done so far and I'm excited for what it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, highly recommend making some sort of podcast, even if you don't post the full thing, which, I mean, if you record it, why not post the full thing? Some people are uneasy about that. I don't know why you should, but um, post once a week. You'll get 7 to 14 clips. You post those daily. That gets exhausting. You get a social media manager for like three, 400, whatever, just to post your stuff. I mean, it's it's not too bad, and it's a great way to get yourself out there. How long have you been kind of really doing uh that i mean i've only seen a few of your posts so i haven't i've been yeah. there the whole way i'm kind of fake <laughs> yeah i i think and the reason you haven't seen a lot of them is because i just recently started doing facebook you know okay. I, and which is why i'm like you know what i need to hit facebook up again you know because that's where I, the people i currently know are are on and that's how they're, they're connected with me not everyone is friends with me on instagram or whatever you know or especially the older people who are friends with me are definitely not on instagram <laughs> um but I think I've been doing it consistently for like four or five months now. Uh, it's 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 been a little bit because at first I was doing, at first I started once a week, and then I started doing more. I started getting on podcasts and doing more clips, and that now that allowed me to do it three times a week. And just this last week, I've now um, changed to doing it every single day. Mm-hmm. So I'll do one post a day every single day. And then I also increase the consistency of my newsletter. So now I do that three times a week. And then I also do articles on my website, which help with SEO rankings and things like that. Yeah. So, um, what are you currently working toward? Like right now today, you're like, what am I actively working toward? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to buy two more hotels this year. Um, and so we have a couple we're looking at right now. I'm, just to start putting the word out for that. Uh, I'm always looking at raising more money and connecting with more people to do more deals. Um, and also I'm starting a, a pro- property management company. So, you know, I've, I've got a lot of the, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to do as passive as possible and I'm going to, you know, hire property management. I'm going to be completely, you know, remote and not have to do anything. But honestly, like I, I've gotten really into being active in the businesses that I'm a part of. 
and I've started to love it even more and more. Um, so with the hotel, we're active managers. We don't have a property management company. I, everyone's on our payroll and they work directly for us. And so for my property in um, Panora and the, the Des Moines market, we're, I'm now going to be starting a property management company in the Des Moines market to manage my portfolio. Okay. And so, so you, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You're going to start one in Des Moines and you're, you also are starting one in Minnesota. So would that be two or is it two different locations or how would, how are you looking at doing that? <laughs> I have a hospitality management company that I already run. Okay. And then we have a, uh, property management company in the Des Moines market that will also manage my, my own, um, portfolio out there. Mm. So that's say good, say goodbye to the 8% here soon. It's back to you. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, that's part of it too. You know, is that a, you know, I, I care more because it's my own portfolio, but then it allows me to be connected with people out in that Des Moines market, you know, mm -hmm. because I'll be the client, you know, they'll be my clients and I'll serve them. Mm -hmm. Um, there, I think there's currently a big need in the Des Moines, um, market for solid property management companies. Yeah. And that's the need that I'm looking to fill, mm. which actually funny enough. Um, so one, my partner on the apartment building in Panora is Garrett Dion. Okay. From who we went, we both went to high school with. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was, I don't know. He was like on the wrestling team or whatever, but essentially he, he has a, his own construction company. And so he, we're partnering together on that property management company. And so he's going to do the maintenance and handle that whole set of things. And I'm going to handle all the leasing and administration side of things. So it's, it's interesting connection. Right. But, right. Yep. That's fine. You, I'm super excited about it. And you probably, were you close with him or you wouldn't have talked to him without this opportunity or kind of a thought? Uh, we, we reconnected our five-year class reunion because we were both into real estate. Yeah. And that we just stayed in touch. We were texting and whatnot. And then this opportunity came up, um, the 12 unit, and we ended up um, working together on it because it, it needed a lot of renovation. It was, you know, it's, it's, it was in bad shape. You're right. It had a certain reputation around town, which you probably heard a little bit of. Yeah. Um, and so, so we're the whole goal is to turn the whole thing around. And so we've renovated half the units at this point. We're right now renovating all the hallways and stuff, all new carpet, repaint the hallways, patch of paint, new trim, all that sort of stuff, make it look really, really nice. And then um, essentially because of that big renovation need, I partnered with Garrett in order to help me do the work on that. So yeah. he, just, he runs that whole renovation portion because that's what he does. Yeah. Not that you're doing it for the reputation, but that's got to be good for you and, and, and Garrett. It's like, hey, two, two guys that were here come back to town and they're flipping out a space that, you know, kind of has a sketchy reputation and, you know, some unfortunate yeah. stuff's happened in there. I, I, you know, I'm all obviously very active on social media. So people know mm -hmm. that, you know, like people who are friends with me, you know, know, I, I know like Kevin McClatchy, like commented on my, one of my posts because that he recognized the apartment building or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like, yeah, people, people know. Um, but I, I don't really, my goal is not for like necessarily people in Panora to necessarily know me for that. No. Because part of it is, you know, I, I, I want, I want to maintain an, uh, piece of professionalism between the relationship with me and my tenants. You know, mm -hmm. I want it to be a very professional relationship. I don't, I don't want someone texting my, my phone number or c trying to contact my family because they wanted a, a discount or rent or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be a little more professional in that regard, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Um, I got a nitpicky question. So when you go into the two syn uh, syndications again, is that two more LLCs? Yep. Okay. And yeah, then it's, it's an LLC. 
and then it's under Hawthorne, right? Is that kind of what your syndications are under, or who owns like what is where does Hawthorne fit in? Uh, so Hawthorne, you're referring to the entity that I personally own that you could say represents me. No, represents um, you. Okay. Yep. Um, so yes. So any of my ownership of those properties is held by Hawthorne. Is okay. Speak to that one. Yep. Right. Um, and we're we'll probably be making an entity um, that's uh, essentially Northern Lights Hospitality LLC that manages that is essentially just a management company that mm-hmm. has the ex- exclusive contract to all the hotels. Okay. And so essentially the management fees or whatever that we charge go straight to that entity. But that entity doesn't actually own the uh, any of the hotels. Okay. So Northern Lights is your your management side. Yep. Oh, North, yeah. Northern Lights is the management company, and you could call it the syndication company as well. That's at least how we brand it. Uh, but uh, technically, it doesn't own in any of the uh, hotels. Right. Oh, wow. And so today you were just doing a what? What, what kind of party? I'm just having a holiday party. Just, oh, a little holiday party. Hey, thanks. You know, give people gift cards and stuff, things like that. It was just, just uh, morale and, you know, and thanking our staff for the hard work they're putting in on the property and yeah. being a good being a good uh, boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dang, man. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah. One last thing that I kind of want to go on is, you know, you lost your job in, in 2020, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, you weren't quite ready to go full time because you weren't in it at all. And then you just started to get it. So you got another job. When did you know that you could do it full time? You know, real estate. The full time jump was a a leap of faith. Okay. So I I didn't have money coming in. Mm. You know, essentially, and honestly, at this point, I still have. I we just started getting consistent money from the hotel, but everything I've bought are all long term buy and hold. So the the strategy that I my wife and I essentially partner together, where I work on our future and she works on our present. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she has a job, and we simply live off of her income, and that allows every all the money we make in our properties to be reinvested into the properties. So like uh, you know the twelve unit in Panora is doing well. You know it makes money every single month. We're great. We're, that's fantastic. And so then we just turn around and we, you know, go buy new washing machines or we go and, you know, recarpet the hallways, things like that. We're, we're focused on the long term, lo- the longevity of these properties and that they're going to increase in value over time. Same thing with the hotel where all of this stuff is, um, you know, we, we come up with like one, a one to five year plans for every single property. <laughs> so it's like, hey, it starts in this current state or we're going to apply these renovations to it. And then we're going, it's going to be worth this much and cash flow this much. Mm. And so since I bought everything within six months of each other, <laughs> everything still has like uh, a long way to go to like really be amazing assets, which like they're, they all are already are. We bought them at great value, but they're going to be fantastic. And I'm super excited about that, but I, I don't want to be put in a position where I have to be pulling equity out of it, though I definitely want to get paid. <laughs> right, right. And so- which is kind of one of the nice things with the syndication uh, front is that I can treat that really just like that's my job. That's my full-time job where I, I am focused on this. We charge a management fee so that we do get paid from it, but um, we kind of have just have it kind of fixed so that we're able to get, put a consistent effort into it and not get distracted by you know, other things. 
Yeah, you're holding it because you can in your situation. I mean, if you yeah. if you needed to pull something, you could, but it'd take away from the you know what you could put back into it. I totally get that. Yeah. Well, totally. you know, it, it allowed me to in the last year. So in 2023, I bought five and a half million dollars worth of real estate. Mm-hmm. But you know, I only own a half a million bucks worth of it because uh, we you know uh, give the ownership away or our investors buy it from us. You know, mm-hmm. so we we sell it to them and they give us the money. We Use it to put the down payment on the property and renovate the property, um, and so we, we I give away part of our, the ownership of the property, um, but it allows us to scale beyond what I would have normally been able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I decide not to, mm-hmm. and then it also allows me to put my full time effort into it, so now people get the benefit of the experience that I've gained from you know um, executing on these plans that we've put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, why why go full time into real estate? You know, I see, I mean, in my, in my life, I'm like, I have skills, similar skills to what you had. And I'll always think of real estate as a passive thing and I'll need to, I'll want to switch that a little bit, but you took the dive into real estate. Was it mostly just passion or are you like, Hmm, I could do this. I don't know. It, it's a hundred percent passion. Uh, yeah. Ha- because you shouldn't jump into real estate just so that you can be rich. Oh no. You should jump into real estate cause you really love the game. Yeah. It's it's an amazing game. It's an amazing thing where it's like I, if I work my butt off, I'm going to get the reward. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I have ownership of this, you know. And so and there's call it part of it stubborn too. I love the idea of being my own boss, mm-hmm. which it's also a joke because now I have all these investors, which essentially I have to report to. So it's like you know the idea of being your own bo- boss is kind of funny because then all your customers are your boss, but. Um, I still be am able to set on my own hours and and participate in whatever I want to participate in. Yeah. Um. And so that's something I I really enjoy. Like for example, with this hotel, you know, it started out that first after a couple months of owning it, our general manager quit. And so I drove up and I ran the hotel for two months, while we found and trained in a new general manager. And so essentially, I took the time to essentially to run it, to get to know it, to um, systematize it uh, and optimize it. So it became from, started from being chaotic to being boring because I was able to systematize it so much and run it so smoothly. And then I handed that off to our new general manager and now I stepped away from it. Mm. No. So I just drove up today to visit it, to have a holiday party, but I don't, I'm not required for the daily operations. Mm -hmm. A hidden blessing probably. That the person yeah. left, well, it, it kind of me to go buy more. Yes, it allows me to continue to scale, and and then the the the, the skills, tools, and resources that I develop by scaling to different properties, I can then bring back to that one property, mm. uh, and I can share resources across them, which allows for that economy of scale that we talked about earlier. Right. So, are you going to be doing? I don't even know if this is the syndications. Like, is that the whole process combined? Yeah. So. Are you going to be doing that until you're just able to not have investors and do it yourself? Or what's the, what's the long, long-term play? Yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and occasionally I'm a job, you know, and I, I, I love the job and I'm super pa- passionate about it. But, you know, the goal is, you know, you can, I continue to, to syndicate and continue to do this. And each of the syndications have about a five-year hold on them minimum. And then at the five-year point, we either refinance or we sell. Mm. Um, and at that point, you get a cash out of my portion of it. Then I give all the investors their return back. Everyone's happy. We did what we set out to do. Um, and then we move on to the next venture. Mm. And then the goal for me is that I do that 
so many times that I'm able to then just turn around and do exactly what I've been doing over the last five years, buying hotels, except I just buy my own hotel. And mm-hmm. then also buy apartments, you know, so that that's part of, you're talking about long-term strategy, you know, part of the reason why I'm starting a management company in Des Moines, because I want to buy property in Des Moines. I'm going to buy more apartments in Des Moines. I'm not a fan of uh, residential real estate in Minneapolis, the market, because Minnesota and St. Paul are very, be honest, they're very liberal. Um, the po- liberal policies uh, just completely are screwing over the n- entire market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, um, St. Paul has already enacted rent control, and Minneapolis is talking about doing rent, rent control, all of which is just making it completely ridiculous to manage property there because mm-hmm. the government wants to run it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they expect you to give it, give the you know units to the tenants for free. Essentially, you know, just, it's just stupid stuff. And so I, I've really focused more on you know Des Moines as a market to invest in residential real estate. And so that's something with the management company. Um, I'm setting that up so that when I buy property in Des Moines, that it can um, it can be managed by by my, my own company. Yeah. And on top of that, the company produces cash flow, which I can then use to buy more real estate. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud of my lack of political knowledge, but one thing that I definitely noticed is even left-leaning people or liberal-leaning people buy real estate in, in right-leaning states, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Prices don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of close, I was, you know, I was expected to go in of like, oh, here's what I should, you know, Mike's advice on what I should do for my first move. I was like, maybe he'll tell me to buy, you know, a single or whoever you tell. What? You said read books, and I think that's the perfect answer. I think it's a great answer. Read books, man. <laughs> you know, the, the, the first step for people, because at some point you need to stop reading and you need to take action. Right. There's, there's a common thing. It's called analysis paralysis. Because you, you're not going to be able to find the exact perfect you know, first step. No one, mm-hmm. no one does. You know, but you, because when I, when I bought my, that single family house, I anticipated getting, I, I was actually planning on holding it as rental. And then I anticipated it, it like providing me, like when I did my calculations, like 5% return, which is like barely worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, people talking about wanting 10% cash and cash return because the stock market does like 7%. Um, but I was like, you know what? I just need to take the step and do it and get into real estate just so I can get that, that first deal done and really start being an active real estate investor. Um, and so I honestly took a step where I knew I, w- I wasn't going to be making an incredible cash and cash return. I, I knew it was a good deal. It wasn't just an incredible deal. And so I just took a step like, you know, screw it. Ended up turning out really, really well for me. But you know, at some point you're going to need to just take that first step. And sometimes it's, it may not be like, it might not kill it. But if you take that first step, the education you get from actively being involved in making those decisions, that is going to benefit you in the long run. Um, so read. And set a timeline for yourself. Six months. Um, you know, okay, in six months, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to go do something. Whether that's going to be buy a single family house. Like, honestly, with your age, dude, if you just save us some money, buy a single family house and rent out the bedrooms to your friends, real estate investing. And mm-hmm. you, you know what that, that's going to do? is that That's going to mitigate your housing expense. Most of the time, if you rent out the bedrooms to some buddies of yours, you're going to mitigate your housing expense. So now you don't have to pay rent because all your friends are paying your mortgage for you. And then now you have more money to then save up again to go possibly buy another house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great ways to do it, dude. Yeah. Anyone who just 
saves their money and and goes out of the way to make a little bit by the time you're 20 you're you're almost there to be able to just do that right away i mean you are there like i could do that right now if i needed to um but i think that's really cool dang house read the house hacking strategy great great book and then set for life's a good one and then uh rental property the the book on rental property investing Mm. yeah yeah, my my unique problem is, uh, you know, usually people are afraid to take action. You know, they want to read, they want to get perfect knowledge. <laughs> Mine is actually the opposite. I just want to go in because I know how fast I'll learn. But also, just like with real estate, uh, a mistake can be a little more than just something you can recover from easily. But yeah, uh, and that's true, dude. But there's also a lot to be said of just taking action. There is people who are, if you take action, um, you know, twice as or five times as much as some of these other people who want to find the exact perfect scenario mm. um, and you fail twice as much, mm. you're still, you know, ending up ahead. Yeah. You know, two and a half times ahead. You know, it, it just, it, it, taking action is what matters. Yeah. Uh, but you need to have some direction. I highly recommend reading the books that I recommended. I highly recommend continuing like Bigger Pockets podcasts, other things like that, where you're really just delving into it and thinking like an investor um, and going crazy, man. Yeah. Dude, I appreciate you coming on. This is like one of the more just like we talked about exactly what we need to talk about much of a learning process. I'm going to be jumping into having a few entities here soon, just like splitting up businesses just a little bit. So even just hearing about how yours is pyramided out knows me how to ask those questions. So I appreciate that so much. No problem. Yeah, but um, uh, take her easy. Keep it up. Um, stay in touch. Uh, yeah. Thank you, man. Oh, you're welcome, man. Have a good one.